0: Well, if you're new uh, or this is your first time and you skipped in late, I'd love to welcome you again. My name uh, is Chris, and uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Beyond. If you're joining us tonight, you're joining us on the tail end of a series that we've been doing. The way we do things here at Beyond is we like to, to camp out on an idea for a number of weeks. And so we package it like a series and every part, every week is kind of like a new episode of the series. And so they all kind of fit together. But if you haven't been here for the series, I want to catch you up to speed so you kind of know what you've missed so far and you can know where we're jumping off from tonight. Essentially, this series is called Just Do It. Uh, we've got official merch made up. There's still one week left of the series, so you can get yours from Rebel as well or Amart as well or just go online. Um, I'm sure China will send them out for like $5 as well. Uh, but really, this series has been about one word, and it's about one word that we often struggle with a lot, but it, it is so important to uh, living our life and achieving the things that we want to achieve. And that word that we've, this series is based around is this word discipline. And in, in fact, we've, uh, we've gone even further into discipline and we've been talking this series about spiritual discipline. Now, in case uh, maybe you're kind of like, what is that? That's like, I've heard that term before, or maybe like that sounds just like a really spiritual term. I'm not really sure what that is. Spiritual discipline, we've defined it as how to stay close to Jesus in a world that tries to draw your attention away from Jesus. Because if you think about it in life, the things that you focus on, the things that you try to focus on, whether it's saving money, whether it's advancing your career, whether it's that relationship that you you want to get into or that relationship that you're currently in. Whatever it is that you pick to focus on, there are going to be things in life that fight and compete for your attention. And there are going to be things that if you're not disciplined and if we're not disciplined are going to draw our attention away from where we're trying to focus it. And so spiritual discipline is just how you can be disciplined in focusing your attention on Jesus. So in part one, we kind of laid the foundation, we laid the groundwork and we said this is why uh, you should consider being disciplined. And the reason we said that you should consider being disciplined is that you actually get to be in on the action. In other words, you get to take part of the things you want to take part in in life only when you take action. You can't, you can't save financially, you can't invest in a relationship, you can't study to get that OP you want unless you actually get in on the action, unless you put some skin in the game. And so we kind of talked about why consider being disciplined in part one. And then in part two last week, we talked about this idea of being present. Why it's so important to actually be present. And we said it this way, what God had in mind for Jesus was to be with us. And what God had in mind for us was to be with other people. In other words, the discipline of being present with other people is so important. And that kind of strikes a chord with you. If you're maybe thinking like, I, I missed that, or maybe I've, you've got a friend, we would love to direct you. Jump on our SoundCloud, Beyond you and you can listen to parts one and five minutes. We had a little technical issue. You can listen to all of part one and five minutes of part two to kind of catch you up to speed. But tonight, where we're, where we're launching off, now that we're all on the same page, we're launching off, and we're going to talk about this really, really, really churchy word, and the word we're going to talk about is this. It's prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. Now, I understand that when, when you hear the word prayer, there are probably as many different interpretations or understandings of prayer as there are people in the room. For me, when I was uh, younger and I was going to church, uh, prayer was just this like weird thing that just really spiritual people did. And I remember that whenever I heard a spiritual person or a pastor or someone at the front talk about prayer, it would, it would always sound like this to me. Like, I, didn't, I never said this, but it sounded like this to me. Well I wake up at 3.30 a.m. in the morning and I pray until about 11 a.m. And then I go and I have two sips of water and a slice of an apple. And then I go back and I read my Bible and I pray until nine o'clock at night when I fall asleep. And it's, it's a terrible thing that I fall asleep and I'm praying that I wouldn't fall asleep any further, but, but that's just the life I live. And it always sounded to me, whenever they would talk about it, I was like, that's just so unrealistic. Like, I don't know about those, those spiritual dudes, but my life is not wired like that. I just don't. I have enough time sitting still for ten minutes, let alone like four hours, like these guys. Like, I have stuff going on in my life. I don't know what like these pastors or spiritual dudes are like, but I don't have enough time to just sit for fifteen hours and just open my Bible and read my Bible. And so for me, I always thought prayer was just this thing that was reserved for for people that had like this special connection to God. And maybe for you, uh, you. You, have your, you come to prayer with a, a different approach. You think of prayer, maybe when I say that word, it brings different feelings to your mind or different thoughts to your mind. But the, the thing with prayer is if we're not careful, prayer can actually become a lot like dating. Prayer can become a lot like dating. Guys, I can only talk from a guy's perspective, okay? So girls, this is like an inside track into like a little bit of a guy's mind here. So guys, when, when you're dating, you attempt, the whole idea of dating is you attempt to capture someone's attention long enough to uh, capture their affection. You attempt to uh, capture someone's attention long enough to capture their affection. So in other words, you put on a front or you do something and you thought, if you can just pay attention here long enough, if you can look here long enough, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to lay enough groundwork that eventually you will like me and we'll get into a relationship and it'll be happy ever after. And, and there are different approaches that guys take when it comes to this. Girls... Um, when I start to say some of these approaches, you'll be like, oh, I've had that one used on me before. Guys, I, I'm, just, I'm not trying to like, like let everyone in on the secret, but like, girls know, come on, they're smart. So one of the approaches is the friend-first friend approach. This is this approach, like maybe someone's here tonight, or you, know, you have this friend, and they're always like, at whatever social event you go to, they're next to you. At whatever social event, it just happens that they're like sitting right next to you or maybe you're texting them on a Friday night and it's like, hey, what are you doing? Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to the movies. Oh, me too. I was thinking of going to the movies. What movie were you thinking of seeing? Because you probably weren't thinking of what I was seeing. I was going to see a chick flick. I was totally going to see that movie. All of a sudden, best friends are there. And there's something, the thing that doesn't, uh, the failure with that approach is that you get friend zoned. You get friend zone really, really quick. And, and there are some guys maybe who are a little uncomfortable here tonight and the girls are starting to catch on like, you've been sitting next to me an awful lot lately. And the guys are like, oh, he's blowing my cover, man. Like... But then, there, then there's that other approach. There's like the, the hyper-emotional approach. And uh, I remember back in um, high school, like this was, this was one of the key approaches you would use. This was back in the day of MSN Messenger. Like, I, I know like, some people are like, what, what even is that? It's kind of like Facebook Messenger these days or Snapchat or whatever you want. But the high promotional approach goes something along the lines of "We're like, there's this girl and I really like her. And I, her hair, it smells like rainbows and butterflies. Like it's just so good. And, and the girl's sitting there and she's like, oh my goodness, what's her name? And like, I can't tell you just yet but I think I really like her. What should I do? And the, the girl's like, oh, I think you should tell her. And then the guy's like, it's you. And the girl's just like, great, great. Well, see, the thing is, I need a man who's a man, not some man who thinks my hair smells like rainbows and unicorns. And it just, it just doesn't end up working after a while. And then there are some of those approaches, like the, the, like the jerk approach or the thug approach, where it's like where the girl's like, hey, would you like to go on a date? No, I'm tough how are you feeling? It's like, <clears throat> I don't know how I'm feeling. I don't have feelings. I don't have emotions. And, and, and the problem with these approaches, and, and there's, I'm sure you've experienced, or guys, maybe you've tried one as well, but the problem with these approaches is that they're not actually genuine to who we are. The reason that these relationships, you know, don't work out initially, or we never get into them, or we get into them and then later they fail, is because the approach we were taking was never genuine in the first place. See, see we we know this either at a conscious or a subconscious level. And the thing that we know is that a disingenuous approach will never lead to a genuine relationship. A disingenuous approach may lead to a a relationship for, for a week or for a month or for six months or even for a couple of years. But there will come a point when the mask has to come down and you actually have to be who you genuinely are. And a disingenuous approach will never lead ultimately to a genuine relationship. At some point, the mask is going to have to come down and you're going to have to be genuine. And when it comes to prayer, we can often view prayer as if we're trying to capture God's attention. As if we're just kind of sitting here on earth and God's up there on heaven and we're kind of just like jumping like, God, if you can hear me, if you're up there, listen to me. I've got something important to say. I need, I need your attention right now. And whether you know it or not, maybe you've seen or maybe you've experienced or maybe you've witnessed some of these attempts to capture God's attention. There are the, uh, the prayers, I like to call them the thou art prayers, where they like to use a whole heap of really like flowery sounding language to get God's attention. Oh, thou Father in thy bountiful heaven, with the angels and thine arks and heralds, and you're just sitting there and you're like, what are they saying? Like, is that like Shakespeare or something? Like, what is going on? And you think, like, in order to get God's attention, maybe I've got to pray like that. Or maybe, maybe you pray to God, uh, the way you approach God is you use the just-in-case-of-emergency approach. We are like, I've got this plan, it all seems set, everything's going well, but just in case, i better, I better just grab God's attention. God, in case this doesn't work out, in case my plan isn't awesome, in case it fails somewhere, could you just have my back on this one? And we're trying. See, God, look at all this awesome planning I've done. So it's really not too much effort on you if you could just help a little bit just in case of emergency. Or maybe, maybe you've used one of the most common ones. It's the bargain approach. God, I didn't study for this exam. I have no idea what algebra is. I didn't even know I was in an algebra class. But Lord, if you will help me for the next three hours to become the algebra whiz, I promise to you I will read my Bible for like, three days I promise I'll pray to you for for three if I get an A plus I'll make it four and the problem with these approaches is that they're not genuine to who we are see God before you were thinking about him he was thinking about you before you were born and before the universe came into existence God was thinking about you God is a personal God He's not a God you have to try and capture His attention. You've already got His attention. And so tonight what I want to do is I want to unpack this idea. Because 2,000 years ago, on a hillside in front of a crowd of thousands of people, Jesus gave one of the most powerful messages, sermons that have ever, that has ever been given. And we know it now as the Sermon on the Mount. And one of Jesus' uh, crews, one of the guys that was following him, his name was Matthew. He was a, he's a tax collector. And then he became a follower of Jesus. Matthew was taking notes as, this, as Jesus was speaking. And this message probably went for kind of four or five hours. Like Jesus was just really in the zone. People were loving what he was saying. And Matthew summarizes sort of what Jesus said over the course of these four or five hours. And he summarizes it in bullet points over three chapters. Three chapters worth of just knowledge that Jesus is speaking to these thousands of people. But within that Within those three chapters There's a subsection There's a subsection where Jesus talks And touches on this idea of prayer Because in that culture 2,000 years ago The thousands of people Jesus was talking to They had an idea in their mind That prayer was about capturing God's attention Prayer was about standing on a street corner Prayer was about saying the right things At the right time In the right way And if you could do it God would listen If you captured God's attention just enough He might listen and Jesus, in the most famous sermon ever, turns that on his head. In fact, you may have heard these words before. It's one of the most famous prayers ever. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And uh, if you grew up in church, maybe you heard it. If you went to a, a, a Christian school, maybe you heard it. Or if you come to church on Christmas or Easter, you, you m- may have heard it as well. And we have the tendency when we hear this to just be like, oh, it's just a, that's just a regular prayer that church people pray. But in the context that Jesus spoke it into two thousand years ago, it was anything but ordinary. In fact, it was revolutionary some of the concepts that Jesus was talking about. And I think as we unpack it tonight, we'll begin to see that Jesus actually wants us to be genuine to who we are in our approach. And So Jesus segues in, he uh, he says you you can pray like this. He says you can pray like this he says in Matthew uh, chapter 6 he says, our Father in heaven, our Father in heaven I don't know, um, maybe you're really, you've got some really good friends, or, uh, but when you go over to someone's house for the first time, someone you've just become friends with, someone you kind of know but you haven't met their parents with, there's a very different approach to their parents than there is to after you've known them for a long time. Now, If you walk into someone's house that you've just you kind of met, it's like, hello, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, how are you? it's a lovely house you have Mr. and Mrs. Smith would you like me to take my shoes off okay I'll leave them outside and the whole while you're thinking like Mr. and Mrs. Smith just let me hang out with your friends uh, with your son or daughter I'm not a weirdo and we address them in this really really formal way yet when we get home it's like hey mom, where's dinner mum mom, I told you I want honey soy chicken wings not barbecue chicken wings dad can we put the footy on dad what, why is the footy not dad the boys are all coming around I need you to get off the TV because we're, we're all watching the footy tonight and when we, when we go to someone's friends for the first time, we treat their parents differently than we would treat our own. And Jesus, when he says, I want you to address God as our Father in heaven, the word he uses is Abba, Father. And that's the word that the people in that culture would have heard as Daddy. It would have been little kids running around saying, Abba, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. In other words, Jesus says, I want you to approach God as if he's personal, because he is. He's not some far-off distant God. He is a personal God god that is concerned about you and and then he goes on he says once once our father in heaven may your name be kept holy in other words when you approach god and when you're talking to him hey dad hey dad there there was a a saying that we used to use uh, when i played football or soccer and our coach used to tell it to us all the time he said boys i want you to know that the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back And in case you're not a sports person, um, our team emblem, our team crest used to be on the front. And he would say, fellas, the the name on the front is more important than the name on the back. Because the name on the front will never change. The name on the back can always change. So when you go on the field, just remember who you're playing for. And remember, it's not about you, but it's about the team. And in this way, Jesus is saying, "When when you come towards God, when you treat him like a father, then it all of a sudden begins to change the way you think about the way you live your life. Because there are certain things that that you would and wouldn't do in front of your parents. And and you do it so that you wouldn't disrespect them. So Jesus is saying, the way you live your life, think about it. If God is your Father, live your life in a way that nothing stands between people and knowing Jesus. When people look at your life, when people see the way you live, don't let there be any barriers in the way you're living and that would stand as as a barrier for someone getting to know Jesus. Then he goes on, after he's kind of made the point that prayer is personal, he goes on, he says, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as in heaven. Now, if you're not a church person, I totally get that the first thing that goes through your mind is you go, ha ha, I knew, I knew God was about him, you doing his biddings. I knew it was all about you just being a puppet and following exactly what God wanted. See, your will be done, God. It says it in the prayer, God, God, your will be done. And I'll be honest, this is for me personally the most challenging but at the same time the most rewarding part of what Jesus is talking about when it comes to prayer. Because essentially what Jesus is talking about in this section is reordering your priorities. Reordering your priorities. Because there, there are times in your life and there are times in my life when I know what I do but I don't know why I do it. I sit there and I look in the mirror and I think, Chris, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you, Why did you text that back? Why did you write that email back? Chris, I know exactly what you did, but I don't know why you did it. And that's the same for all of us in areas of our life. We, we have goals, we have dreams, we want to get places. and Then all of a sudden we do things that deliberately undermine where we wanted to go and what we wanted to achieve. And we look at ourselves and we go, what? why did I do that? And so Jesus says, this isn't about God controlling you. This is about understanding that if God is your father, if God is personal and cares for you, don't you think that God has your best priorities in mind? Don't you think that God actually has what's best for you in mind? And there are times when we're honest, we don't have what's best in mind for ourselves. So Jesus says, why don't you trust God and reorder your priorities to what God's priorities are because you might not realise it in the moment, but long term, trusting God will get you to where you want to be because God is for you. He's not trying to control you. And then Jesus kind of takes a slight detour with this. So the first part has been all about understanding God is personal and then reordering our priorities. And then he kind of changes track. He says, now, let's pray about what you want. Let's pray about your needs. And he says, pray, pray it around this way. He says, give us today the food we need. Now, if you're a guy like me, when you think of food, like I'm just straight thinking, like, I could go pizza right now. I could go a good quarter pound, or I could go something greasy. But Jesus' definition is broader than food. Jesus is saying, what's coming up in your life today? And when God, when you come before God, think about what, what your day is going to look like. Do you have a, a, a whole heap of meetings? Do you have a, a conflict that you have to resolve in the office? Then maybe you should pray to God for patience to not fly off the handle in that discussion. Do you have a whole heap of assignments due that you kind of knew you should have done, but you didn't really, and now you've got like 12 hours to cram it in? Well, maybe, maybe you need to pray for focus to get through that day. Do you have a, a day off and maybe you struggle to relax? You, you're checking the work emails on the side, you're answering the phone calls. Maybe you need to pray that God will give you the discipline to relax. Do you uh, want the best for your marriage, yet you don't invest any time into it? You want the best for your relationship, yet... You never talk, you never call back, you never text them back, you never spend time, just the two of you. Maybe you should pray to be more deliberate in that relationship. Jesus is saying, pray for the needs that you have right now because God actually wants to know what your needs are. And then he goes on. He says, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, I know that that sin word can can make us prickle a bit, but in this context, what it means is miss the mark. What it means is miss the mark because there are times in our life where we miss the mark. There are times where, where we set goals for ourselves or we set rules for ourselves and we'll say, I'd never do this and then we miss the mark. And so what Jesus is saying is there are times in your life where you will miss the mark and God has forgiven you because of Jesus' death and on the cross and his resurrection. But there are also going to be times where other people miss the mark and you're caught in the fallout. Where because of other people's decisions and them missing the mark, you are caught in the fallout and you feel something. And that when that wells up inside of you, I want you to forgive them. I don't want you to snap back. I don't want you to send that aggressive email. I don't want you to text them back. I don't want you to get on the phone. I want you to just forgive them the way that I have forgiven you. And then Jesus closes the prayer like this. He says, and don't let us yield to temptation. It's an old school word. But rescue us from the evil one. Maybe you've heard in your life that God will not tempt you more than you can handle. God won't tempt you more than you can handle. That's just not true. God's not a God that tempts us. God actually loves us. He cares for us. So God's not up in heaven kind of looking down going, oh, if I tempt them enough maybe they'll fall. God's not waiting for you to fall. But God, Jesus recognizes that there are things in our life that pull us away from our relationship with God. There are things in our life that pull our focus away from Jesus. And that's an inevitability. So in that moment, pray for protection. Say, God, I know that there are going to be things today that are going to compete where life is going to get in the way and my attention may be drawn away from you, Lord. I want you to protect me and help me not yield, help me not give in to that temptation to draw my attention away from you. And that's how Jesus teaches this crowd of people to pray. He says, realize that prayer is personal, reorder your priorities, and then go to God for the things that, that you are on your heart, the things that you need. And because this series is just do it, uh, I figure that you're all smart. You're at this point, you're like, okay, Chris, I get, that. that's how Jesus taught us. Uh, I can see there's a lot of flexibility in that. I could be genuine to who I am. But why? Why should I just do it? Why should, why should I just pray? And as, as we bring this to a close tonight, I think there's three reasons, three really quick reasons why you should consider praying or why you should just do it. The first reason is that prayer will give you perspective in your problem. Prayer will give you perspective in your problem. When you pray, and when you begin to realize that that the creator of the universe is your heavenly father, that he wants you to address him personally, all of a sudden, your problems are put in perspective. All of a sudden, that problem that you didn't think you were ever going to overcome at 10 a.m., all of a sudden looks a lot smaller by the time you've figured dialoguing it out with the God who created the universe. The second reason I think that you should consider praying is is it will give you peace in your pain. Prayer will give you peace in the midst of your pain. Will it take the pain away? I don't think so. Will you you still cry about it? I think you might. Will there still be that emotional hurt there? Yeah, it's probably going to take a while to go away. But when you pray to God, you realize that you do not have to carry the pain on your own you realize that there is a God who doesn't want you walking through life carrying the weight of that pain. And so as you're struggling through, as you're walking through that season, God can actually lift that weight and give you peace in the midst of your pain. It's not going to fix it, but He will walk you through and give you peace in the midst of your pain. And the third reason I think you should consider praying is that prayer will give you perseverance in your process. When you go to God and say, God, this is this is where I feel that you're calling me, but it is hard. It is difficult. Well, I don't know if you know how difficult this is. You can speak to Jesus and he can say, Look, I know exactly how difficult it is. In fact, when I was walking the earth and I knew that I was going to have to go and die on a cross, I actually, I actually prayed to God and I said, God, will you take this away? Because this, I don't know if I can go through with this process. Jesus says, I know exactly how you feel and I can walk alongside you and give you perseverance in the process. So why should you consider doing it? Because it'll give you perspective in your problem. It'll give you peace in your pain. And it'll give you perseverance in your process. Your heavenly Father has given you an opportunity to get to know Him. He's given you an incredible gift and it's called prayer. We're going to um, invite the band back up now. And we're going to do something slightly different to what we normally do. If If you're regular with us, we have this thing here at Beyond It's called Four Monday. Because we believe there is no point coming to church on Sunday if it doesn't impact you, if it doesn't change you for Monday. And, and we thought, um, as a team, we thought, tonight is too good of an opportunity to miss up. So instead of a four Monday, we wanted to give you a four now. We wanted to, for you to just pray where you're at. We wanted to give you an opportunity just to pray where you're at. And so what's going to happen is the band's just going to um, come up here and they're just going to sing a couple, like a, a couple of verses, a couple of minutes worth of, of music. And you can just sit where you're at and you can connect or reconnect with a God who wants to know you on a personal level. And I totally understand that there are some of you out here tonight where you're like, Chris, ah, I'm not really sure about this whole Jesus thing. Like I don't really get the whole God thing. Like, And that's okay. The good thing about prayer is no one knows you're doing it. And so you can just sit there like it's, it's dark, you know, no one's really looking around and you can, just, you can just pray to God and you can say, God, I'm not actually sure if you're out there. But if you are, i got some questions and I want some answers. And maybe, maybe tonight you're sitting there and you're like, oh man, this is weird because like, I don't know how to pray. I don't actually know like the right words to say. Well, we just want you to be genuine. But we also want to help you out. So we're going to um, put, put the words of the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray on the screen. You can just pray through that as well. And maybe tonight you're just sitting there and you're like, there's something about this Jesus that they keep talking about. I've been here for a while or maybe this is your first time and you're like, I'm I'm intrigued. I want to know more. Maybe I want to follow Jesus. What does that look like? What do I do? How do I go about that? I can guarantee you that the number one most prayed prayer in heaven is help. In fact, if you've ever been a follower of Jesus, every follower of Jesus on the face of the planet has prayed that one prayer at some point or another in their life, they said, help. Because they realize realized that, you know, we miss the mark so much that there is no way if I had to earn my way back to God, I'd be able to do it on my own. So every Christian says, help. And that's when Jesus steps in and died on a cross for our sins. So that when God looks at us, He wouldn't look at our lives, but He would look at us through the lens of Jesus. And so maybe tonight, if that's you, it's just an opportunity to just pray to God and say, God, I just want to know you, help. And finally, maybe you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time. And for whatever reason, life has got in the way. We just want to give a little bit of space for you to reconnect with a God who, you don't have to try and capture his attention. He's already got his attention fully fixed on you, but it's an opportunity just to reconnect. And as we spend these couple of minutes, just remember that a disingenuous approach will never lead to a genuine relationship. So just be genuine in your prayer. you've got some things you want to get off your chest, if you're not sure how to do it, just be really genuine in your prayer. So we're going to put the words to the the Lord's Prayer up on the screen, and um, the band's going to play just for a couple of minutes, and then afterwards I'll I'll wrap up in prayer when we're done. But I'll hand over to the band now. We can just stay seated and uh, pray where you're at. Lord, I just thank you that you're a God who wants us to be genuine with you, Lord. You're a God who doesn't uh, expect us to stand on street corners or you don't you not uh, don't expect us to try and capture your attention, Lord, because we already have your attention. Lord, you have uh, we have your attention so much that you didn't want us. Uh, that you wanted us to know how much you loved us, that you wrote yourself into history, that 2,000 years ago you came and you died on a cross for our sins so that we would never have to question how much you love us or whether uh, or whether the, uh, you've captured our attention or we've captured your attention. And Father, I just pray tonight for people who are maybe reconnected with you for the first time. Lord, I pray for people who maybe... Um, Prayed to you for the first time tonight, Lord, asking questions and challenging you, Father. I pray that that would just be the first step of many interactions that they have with a personal God who wants to know them and loves them and cares for them. And Lord, I pray that tonight, this um, as we go out, Lord, as we continue to to pray, as we continue to dialogue with you, that we would see it as a relationship. That we wouldn't see it as something we do to appease you, but we would see it as something we do to get to know you more. That we would be genuine in the way we approach you, genuine because you've created us that way. And so may we have a genuine approach to a relationship with you. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.